Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Salopcast. And myself, Ollie, and Glenn. How are you doing, Glenn? Yeah, I'm in, I'm in good spirits, Ollie. It's uh, Christmas, isn't it, now? So we've, we've got the Christmas spirit in. Shrewsbury Town won yesterday and uh, we're recording on Christmas Eve Eve, aren't we? So, uh, yeah, we'll sort of get this podcast out of the way and have a couple of days thinking about family and presents and gifts and dinner rather than football for once, Ollie. <laughs> yep, no, looking forward to it. And, yeah, looking forward to some games over Christmas as well, as always. Yeah, yeah, it's a busy period, isn't it? We were just looking at the agenda, weren't we? So when we're going to do podcasts, and obviously we've got sort of four games come up in very short order now, but... Um, yeah, it's 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 going to be fun. It's always good on the road, isn't it? And we've got some interesting trips coming up in the next few weeks. So, yeah, lots to be excited about at the moment, Ollie. Yep, no, definitely. Um, so, yeah, let's jump into the action. And here come the home side. The last chance, surely. It is Vernon on the left. There are bodies in the box. It is Scott Vernon driving towards the goal. He's still going and it's in there. It's there. They have won it with the last kick of the game. And Shrewsbury score through Grimmer. Yep, so Shrewsbury 1, Coventry 0, so good result, good good to get a clean sheet and obviously good to beat Coventry, brought quite a few fans. Um, they aided and boosted the attendance, which was massively up from the last game, which was quite low against Peterborough, but we here we broke the um, 8,000 mark, so that was good to see. Yeah, yeah, they brought a lot, didn't they? And they were quite noisy. Yeah, bunch. they did. And I, they did, yeah, I, I imagine I could, they drank quite a bit. <laughs> I could tell that it was going to be an interesting away attendance when I went down to the pub at half one, we went to the Masonic and uh, had a few pints with a few friends that were back for Christmas you don't see so, so often. And uh, we were walking up Bellevue Road and there was a posse of about 15 sort of Coventry fans sort of chanting quietly amongst themselves. And I looked across and I thought, what are they drinking? And almost all of them, to a man, had an entire bottle of rosé wine that was pretty much, you know, on the way out of being completely drunk. I thought, mate, this, this could be messy for them lot today. And uh, yeah, I wasn't surprised that... Uh, it was quite a boisterous atmosphere considering that's what they were putting away pre-match so yeah interesting bunch (laughs) modern day football eh oh rosé I was like what's going on here shocking that's funny that's (laughs) funny um, that's funny. So a couple of stats. Yep. Um, so Faye missed his chance to get a, a break of record, which would have been six goals in six games. Shame, yeah. Um, which is a bit of a shame. Um, however, but um, I think it's fair to say that Holloway and Faye are um, building a good partnership. Um, that's, that's 10 goals in nine games for them now. Obviously, Faye scored on the 49th minute in the second half in this one. But um, yeah, they're definitely starting to link up well and definitely forming a partnership. Yeah, yeah, Holloway obviously got the goal at the weekend, didn't he? But I think it's six for six for Faye and three for Holloway, so nine and ten is pretty good going at the moment, isn't it? And um, yeah, it's, it's just starting to I think we'll probably talk about this as we go through the podcast. But you know, more people are starting to say it looks like a partnership, and maybe that's developed over the last three or four weeks, particularly. Um, obviously, I still think there's probably areas we can improve going forward because we're still not sure it's scoring a lot in most games. But um, yeah, I think there's certainly a dovetailing there that we've not seen in any other partnership this season, isn't there, Ollie? Yeah, and it's it's quite nice. Uh, this formation works so well for the players that we have, um, and ob- and so in terms of the team selection, the only major change was Haynes came in for Beckles. Yes, um, Beckles was rested. He has a bit of a niggle, um, and it's a good opportunity for Haynes to come in. Um, and I was chatting to a, um, Phil, my um, friend, uh, the Shrewsbury of the game, and I was just saying how you know having two strikers is quite different in today's game, but it does work really well, especially if they can dovetail together. Um, but obviously, this formation allows us to have a deep line midfielder as well, yeah, um, and then obviously allows space for the fullbacks to rock on. So this, yeah, it's working really well. This formation, you, you know me. We've talked about this over the course of two and a half seasons now in this podcast about how I like. I'm a sort of man that likes to see two players up front. You know, a big lad and a, and a smaller, pacey, a quick lad. That's kind of my preferred attacking option I know obviously it depends on what players you've got what tactics you've got who you're playing but you know I, I, I grew up in that era where it was pretty much the common thing to see teams playing 4-4-2 with two strikers so I think it's just stuck with me but I quite like it I, I, you know it's strange to have that diamond and no width whatsoever a 
lot of the time. But as you say, it, it works all right at the moment, and it's getting more results than it than it's uh, than it's that it isn't. I suppose at the moment with another win on Saturday. So yeah, good good for, good for us, and, and long may that continue. Yeah, I'd, I'd argue that we do, we do have width. Um, I think Haynes um, coming in, um, he does a great job um, overlapping, and I think that's something that was a bit of a theme of this game. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Uh, yeah, I suppose you're right. I just, I just meant you know not natural wingers. Then I suppose that is you know quite unusual for us at Shrewsbury. We've, yeah, we've always gen- yeah, generally definitely. had natural wingers, haven't we? As a football club, we've we've very rarely gone away from that under you know the last succession of managers. So it is something we're starting to get used to now, isn't it? That's a bit different. But as you say, if it's working, then there's no reason to go away from it, is there? Yeah, and it certainly worked in this game. Yes, um, Shrewsbury's Town started really well. It was good that actually it wasn't too cold. I think I actually brought too many. Clothes. I had like gloves and stuff. I never wore a game. Um, I was kind of overly prepared. Um, you just about turned up there, Glyn, didn't you? You missed a couple of seconds, perhaps. How dare you? We got. We we decided to, rather than have one last pint in the pub, we thought, oh, we'll get up to the ground and we'll get in and we'll have one last pint with plenty of time, and then you know get up for sort of five minutes before kickoff. Um, but with all the sort of Coventry fans and it being quite busy around Meal Island, we were a bit slower getting up there. And by the time I got there, we went in, and my brother went straight to the bar, and with seven minutes to kickoff, got a pint in. I was like, oh, I could do without this, Ollie. But there we go. Got it down. Me and they got to. Miss Seat right on kickoff. You, you swear I missed the first. Not 30 on seconds. kickoff. You, you were, you were, you'd made people stand up before the game kickoff. So that was Disgraceful. a great moment. I think. Disgraceful. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll lose huge return points for that. That's fine. As a, you know, I'll take that on the I'll take it on the chin. But yeah, there we go. I didn't miss anything too important. You know, obviously. Town no, you, well. you didn't miss anything. And yeah, you were, you were sat down and, and you were kind of being a good boy and trying to see the first chance. Yes. It um, was. Which came for Bolton from a corner. Um, after a long ball up by Waterfall, flicked on by Holloway, Salah won a corner, um, and Bolton had a really good chance there actually to score to score straight away. Yeah, yeah, he played well, didn't he, Bolton? Again, I thought in terms of the fact he's obviously only come back into the team in recent weeks uh, defensively at the back. But yeah, decent, decent, decent chance. That shame we didn't get off to as quick a start as we did the other week. You know, we went ahead. No, really Coventry started well in both halves. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there was a there was a bit of a heart in your mouth moment uh, when um, <laughs> Waterfall did a pass back yeah. to Arnold, which seemed to. I don't know, he's claiming the pitch was a bit slow or something, yeah, but yeah, bubble. it was a bit slow, yeah, got back to him. Luckily, Arnold got out in time and cleared it away, and no bought, no um, Burton moments with no. hitting anyone, so that was good. Um, and then Bayliss crossed and cleared by Waterfall, um, but then then that kind of then kind of stopped, and we had an absolute um, domination for the most of the half after that. You know, for me, it kind of kicked on when Salop had a great counter-attack, faded the fullback, crossed, the keeper had to flick away, um, and then Holloway headers into the side netting, yeah. which the town fans, fans thought that we'd scored. Oh. And that was a really, really good bit of play, and that was kind of a bit of a... Um, a let's say a bit of a theme of the game in the way that we were attacking. Yeah, it was it was it was it was one of those embarrassing ones where look the whole of the West End we were up were up and celebrating, weren't yeah. we? And looked across and you just saw Holloway with his head in his hands like oh I've missed that. I don't I, I've, not, I've not seen that replay back because it wasn't in the sort of extended highlights I saw. But it, I thought at the time it looked like quite an easy chance. But I'm, I've been informed by some other fans today that it was a bit harder than that, Ollie. I don't know if you. Yeah, it was a bit it. harder. Yeah. He had man on him and he was a bit quick to react, but he did. Well, to get header header in, but yeah, not good enough to get a shot on, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and I think that was a, t- a tale of the half, really. And you, I think you've later on you've described it as an entertaining first half in in the agenda, and we'll, we'll come to that. But yeah, I think we were played well, and we had a lot of the ball, quite neat and tidy, weren't we? But you know, it was there was shades in that first half of a of the final lack of cutting edge, wasn't there? We were kind of creating chances, and we were unlucky with a few of the other chances we're going to talk about. But um, you couldn't fault the build up play really in, in in the game on Saturday for me. It was just a last little pass again that might have opened us up in a slightly different way that might have been the, the key to unlock them in the first half but we didn't quite get that right in the first half no I think that was probably a bit of a theme throughout the whole game True. That, yeah. that, that final ball just wasn't quite there 
Uh, played some nice, pretty stuff, but yeah, that that final ball um, was lacking again, which is you know quite obviously quite um, consistent for League One. You know, you can do some nice bit of play, yep. but that, that final ball just isn't there. Um, and then yeah, there was a there was a nice moment, a sad moment. Um, where there was applause on the 22nd minute, yeah. where all four um, sides of the ground stood up and clapped in memory of Joff Wood- Woodman. Yeah, I, I, so I, I don't know if you knew, knew the lad. I know he's a South Stand no, regular, and um, I thought it was really good for the, the sort of, I think there were some of his friends from the South Stand got the sort of campaign going to, to show some respect for what was one of our young and, and you know well-respected town fans. Um, and I know the Sports Parliament then got behind it and put out a, a message that then got fed through the club. So it was great that everybody got behind that to, sh- to show that, because sometimes in January, I think we do the thing where... The, we put the list up of people who've passed away but I think when someone's that young and is and is involved in the fan base as, as this kid apparently was I think it is nice to, sh- to show that respect and, and let's give the commentary fans some credit you know we, we talk about what happened beforehand and some of the stuff that happened afterwards as well but to a man it looked like everybody in that stadium took the time to you know applaud um, what was a really sad occasion so yeah well done to everybody on that and um, I suppose as part of the podcast we'll pass on our best wishes to, to his family and friends really yeah, cutting time. It's horrible, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's horrible to lose anyone, especially as a young lad. Um, but yeah, there are our best wishes to his friends and family yep. at Christmas time. Can't be, it's not be good for them. Yeah, hope, yeah. At least with town one, maybe that brought a little bit of bit of happiness uh, yeah. for the weekend. Yeah, in, exactly. his, in his memory. Yeah, it was a nice. Yeah, it was nice actually. I'm sure hopefully, hopefully his friends who are all all fans with him can kind of go. They did it for Josh this weekend, and uh, hopefully that's what they they went away thinking because it was a good performance, and uh, everybody who was a town fan left with smiles on their faces uh, uh, regards the results. So yeah. Fantastic, really, but um, yeah, it didn't, didn't yeah. you know? I think it was good. There was the, the game sort of slowed down for that minute, then it kind of ratcheted up again, didn't it? Which was interesting. Yeah, it did, and Town kind of spurred on after that. So there's some really good play. Another ball up to Holloway, a flick on, a shot was blocked. It comes to Haynes. He did, he did his man, crossed it in. Um, back in by Holloway and then out by Coventry and then then Grant did that sh- super strike which went for a corner. Yeah. I'll tell you what, if Grant had scored, then everyone would have gone mad because um, <laughs> obviously everyone loves Grant. It almost, it's like he, he shot so so much power. The guy that sort of hit and deflected out, I thought he might have killed him. It was it was one of those ones like <laughs> when he, man uh, down. he did that pass back at Walsall. Do you know what I mean? The extra set of a shot that yeah. he's got and um, yeah, I would have been brilliant if he scored a goal. I suspect when he does score, it's going to be a bit like that. You remember a Gogo scored like a long ranger yeah. and didn't score for ages and ages. So I think that those. The Go-Go's and the, the, the Grants are those sort of players that will generally only score from long range because they never really get too close to the box do they so there we go um, but yeah that would have been fantastic to be fair there was another moment of Grants in the first half which I loved where he did a, a classic sliding Granty tackle where he came in from miles away and just smashed through the ball you know got a little bit of the player but not enough for it to be worth a booking and uh, the guy didn't get up for ages did he he got proper Granted <laughs> <laughs> that was funny so yeah we like to see Grant obviously he's good yeah it's great to see Grant put one in and kind of made the yeah it's good to see where, and we've got midfielders that don't shirk have mm. got Doherty doesn't Norburn certainly puts his foot in and Grant as well we're not a team that's going to be bullied um, we're quite a tough team these days actually with with Sadler and also um, Waterfall at the back we're quite a, a kind of strong team in that department this season yeah, yeah. I think normally wingers tend to be your sort of more wafy type sort of players that don't put your foot in. So if you're playing without wingers, it gives you a bit more of a, a core <laughs> yeah, of hard does. players, doesn't it? And I certainly think, it yeah, does. we're definitely not a team to be messed with. Even with uh, Holloway up front, you know, you've got that spine of players that are pretty physical, pretty strong, um, and and trying to and try and force their game on on the rest of the team. So um, yeah, it's, it's good. It's all helping. Yeah, and to mention those players, so yeah, Norburn. Norburn had quite a good first half actually. I'd say he was one of the better midfielders in terms of going forward. Um, he he and Holloway linked 
jumped up um, and came to fair you had a shot um, but unfortunately he shot over yeah um, and I think maybe at this point it's probably worth just kind of mentioning so obviously there was two opposition players that were very familiar to town fans yeah um, so a brown and a go-go were playing um, you obviously missed the start Glenn. you were too busy mm-hmm. um, downing a pint <laughs> um, but they got quite a warm welcome I'd say I'd say when um, their name were mentioned um, they it was overwhelming um, applause for them yep Good. And Dagogo clapped back to the town fans when Good. when his name was mentioned and the town's fans. There was a boo, but it was over it was kind of drowned out by the kind of the positive um element. But throughout the game, um particularly Brown seemed to get was booed through the game. Yeah. I just what what was your thoughts on that? It was odd. I, I you know, we had players like Anthony Sarsovich come back who was just terrible for us and didn't get half the abuse that Brown and Agogo yep. got on Saturday. Now, there's some part of my head that can't quite understand the logic of it. And I think it's more like with Hurst, you know, the, the vitriol and the anger that there is towards him because of what happened was because we fell so much in love with them and to be abandoned feels harder, doesn't it? You know, if, if Sarsovich was crap for us and then buggered off and didn't really care about the club, well, so what? We was no good. We it was no loss. And so I think there was a little bit of that tinged in it. It was, it was They were so well, like, particularly Brown, who, you know, was in a while before um, ago well maybe they came in the same season I can't remember now I better not say something that's not accurate but both of them were with us for a long time before we had our good season last year and were pretty loyal players I believe both of them signed a contract to stay longer than the initial contract they had which at Shrewsbury is pretty rare isn't it so yeah, it's I was, at this level. Yeah, I was surprised surprised by how sort of it was but then it is part of the pantomime of the game isn't it I guess and um, from what I could see Cov fans booed Haynes a few times as well so yeah. you know he got it and I think that he, he didn't really that's have a, a little bit more that's a little bit more understanding because yeah. he came through their youth system and they yeah. developed him, but Brown and Agogo came to us when they were, you know, they, you know, well mature and yeah, I, I, I felt that was a little bit harsh and um, I'm sure they're aware that most town fans appreciate the work they did for us when they were with us. Yeah, um, I think so. I think, but so. I think it was interesting actually on on Agogo worth having a discussion here about it. He he, he wasn't very effective at all, was he? No, I, I was going to talk about this at the end of the game in terms of what their them two's overall performances were like. For for me. Uh, you know, as much as Haynes was okay, I think that Brown was equally as good as Haynes if you compare the two performances in a similar position. And you know, if Brown was still here, almost certainly he would be starting every week, wouldn't he? By the by the by the way our left back position has gone. But Agogo was anonymous. He can't he can't and he never really could do it when we played that tactic often, which was two central midfielders where you've both got to be up and down. You know, there's not just one sitter, which is what his job was. He was being asked to attack a little bit more than he ever did at our football club, and it just didn't work for him, did it? He didn't really impose himself on the game, and in, in all honesty, I thought Anthony Grant embarrassed him, to be honest with you, if you just did a like for like comparison between those two. So it's a shame how it's going for him. But I was shocked that he started anyway, Ollie, because everything I've been reading, he hadn't been getting in their team. Um, yeah, he hadn't been. He's having a poor time of it. So when, when I found out that Agogo was starting, Brown was starting, I expected, but Grimmer wasn't starting, it was a bit of weird because I was expecting it to be Brown and Grimmer with Agogo not starting. So that was a bit weird. Yeah, it's funny, considering you're a man, Glenn, who says you're not too in- interested in tactics, I think you're bang on about Ogogo. Fair enough. Um, I think I think Ogogo really struggles um, in a two. Um, for me, he's what he his, his kind of he's a, a man who brings transition into the game um, and is good at carrying the ball, but then always would pass to a, a man in a more advanced position who's got a bit more quality. So for us, off, us, it was the obvious players. And I don't think, I think he really struggles. And for me, we brought comments and you know, bear with me, um, going to what Sari said about Drinkwater this week. Oh yeah. He said that Drinkwater isn't able to play in a midfield, uh, midfield three. Um, he's better in a two. Um, and they don't play over two, but obviously a go goes for me is the other way around. He, I think a go go is a, He's not a great defence midfielder. Um, he's not like Grant. Um, 
who's a good deep line player, um, and he's not obviously a number ten like Nolan. He's somewhere in between, and I think yeah, in, in the midfield too, you need to be able to do a bit of both. Yeah, I, comp- I completely agree. I mean, I like but Grant I a lot, but I don't. Yeah, he wouldn't shine as much as he does if he wasn't just being no. asked to do that role that he's doing for us. Which no, is I don't think so. Sitting behind, so it's it's a bit harsh on a go go. It's about for me. It's about using your energy. So. You know, sometimes you get town fans criticising our forwards for not pressing. You know, if you keep pressing all the time, then Faye's not going to have that energy to run mm. on to goal. Yeah. So I think it's about using your energy. But also, I think actually, I'd, I'd slightly disagree with a comment you made earlier on about, I think Haynes was actually probably the better of the left, the two left-backs in mm. on that yeah. one game alone. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, it's the first proper good game he's had for us, I would think, about I'm only that, talking about one game. So, yeah, but, but he's had poorer games, hasn't he? When he's yeah, been he has had poorer season. games, yeah. but obviously you have to, you know, give him that he's, yeah. he's still a young player um hopefully he could be one that comes good um you know one but I, yeah he's, he didn't do very well in the other games but i think you know with obviously ricketts being a fullback himself um a bit like how hurst you know was able to develop the fullbacks that we had you know maybe this, he might be able to share some of his wisdom there so yeah See, interesting discussion about a go-go and brown it is isn't it and just while we're on the subject of those sorts of players do you, do you think that haynes did good enough that you wouldn't bring beckles back in if he was oh anyway? definitely really yeah definitely i think haynes had a really really solid game hmm. um defensively he was really good um he and he was being overloaded quite a few times as well he didn't yeah have anything, and it wasn't an easy game quite a few times he was on court two v two v one um, going forward, he was really good. He was much obviously slicker than than, um, than Beckles ever could be because Beckles is a big man. Mm. Um, but yeah, in terms, of, he did his he did his winger fullback at once really really well and put some really really good balls in the box. And defensively, he was good. And obviously, it's defensively he needs to work on. So for me, I thought he had a really really good game. Yeah, it must be must be my beer goggles from the game. I must have missed missed you that. Just, you just bitter. I saw you at the game. You're bitter because <laughs> you want your man Beckles to play. Oh, I do like him. I, I you know once he gets dropped, though, I don't wonder how he'd ever get back in the team if if a left back's playing well and. He's unlikely yeah, to get back at centre. A bit of rotation, in. maybe, central defence. Yeah. Those two have played a lot of games. And we've got a lot of games coming up over Christmas. I suspect there'll we be have. a fair bit of rotation, so everyone will be sort of chomping at the bit to get in and play anywhere, really, won't they? So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that develops. But, yeah, I think you're fair to, to make that comment. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say too much more on Haynes because um, I didn't, I, it didn't really stand out as much to me as you, but I think that's probably my fault from not observing, I do like fullbacks, not observing so, yeah. the game as much, Ollie. So, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So, yeah, just a couple of highlights to kind of end the half. Um, a free kick by Coventry, a super defensive header from Sadler, really, really solid yes. to get the ball out. Um, and then some more brilliant hold-up play from Holloway, passes to Doherty, who then who crosses really quickly. And then Norburn does that volley, leaning half volley, leaning mm. back, which went flying over. Um, and then there was another good effort um, where Laurent did a good run, came inside, um, and then was we got a corner, which was never, ever a corner. And obviously that really riled the the commentary fans up like last um, week then, against Peterborough when, when, yeah, when we had it the other I was way thinking are we going to get something from the corner <laughs> uh, maybe for me chuckle um, and then hot, good header by the waterfall cleared off the line yeah um, that was unlucky and then, yeah and then, then there was like a, a chance from Laurent where he shot on his left but that was a bit poor um, but yeah I thought it was overall it was an entertaining first half just couldn't get that goal which was a bit disappointing but yeah encouraging first half I suppose your XG would have been quite high that half I don't know if you've seen it for this game but there seemed like I haven't researched that no I haven't researched it this week certainly feels like even though we didn't score we certainly had made a few, enough chances in that game to be ahead at half time wouldn't we and it felt like we, we should have been ahead at half time really they'd been alright in that first period but um after that, they really went backwards. And I was reading quite a few sort of Coventry websites and stuff, and they really lamented their first half. People called it disgraceful or uninspiring, lacking in energy. So, you know, that first half, you know, I think we 
imposed ourselves on the game. We made them look poor, but they really didn't do enough in that first half for me. If I was if I was a Coventry fan, I'd have been pretty livid at it, to be honest with you. Yeah, their XG in the first half, just look at it now from um, Experimental 361. Um, yeah, we were not near one um, XG, which is obviously still, you know, it's a very good number. And they were not even 0.25. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is very, very low. Um, but yeah, it was a poor half from a Coventry perspective. It was, but it I was. think that's because town, town played so well. Yeah, I agree. And we fully deserve to, you know, kind of win the half on points. You know, and I don't think they can have any criticisms of saying that we played well. No, nope. um, just couldn't get that goal, which is a shame. So there we go. Half time came along, and I went downstairs to uh, have, have another pint and watch the TVs <laughs> that are all broken in the West Stand that apparently can't be fixed because we're out of maintenance contract at the moment. So excellent work, Shrewsbury Town. Well done. Um, so we expect expected them to be fixed at some point in 2019, but not ideal because I say I think I mentioned it last week. But everyone just clusters around the buffet and it makes it really awkward. But um, yeah. So there we go. So got back up to my seat, ready for it, and I thought, you know, this is it. It's keep keep this going and impose ourselves. But it wasn't wasn't quite as easy, was it, in the start of the second half? I think Coventry had obviously had a rocket and. and you know, or they you know had a tactical change. I didn't really notice anything too tactical. They changed, but they certainly got to grips with the game a little no. bit better at the start of the second half, didn't they? Yeah, there was. There was I didn't see any tactical change no. from themselves, but they certainly came and imposed themselves a bit more. And they started the half well again. Um, didn't really help up um, where there was a mix up um, between um, oh, yeah. Yeah, Sadler. Um, and Norburn um, gave their man a shot on goal, um, and Arnold managed to save his feet. So that was that was that was positive in some ways, mm. I guess. Yeah. Um, and then they're kind of against a run of play, and we get a free kick. And your man Doherty gets the ball, places it, puts the ball perfectly, curls it onto the six yard line. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Um, and there's Holloway there, who just absolutely bullet heads into the back of the net, and yeah, fantastic and good, good goal. And yeah, only four minutes into the to the second half, and we're one nil up. One thing I say about Holloway, and, and I talk about Doherty taking free kicks because I think we mentioned that a few times before, haven't we? About how he's just better at yeah, them than what, Wally. So um, we won't labour that point. But about Holloway on on things like that is that you know if you start to look at the goals he's been scoring over the last couple of weeks, you know they've been headers, and if you give him a decent bit of delivery, um, he looks like he can do well. Remember that goal we scored right in front of us at Wickham? That was a good yep, header as well, that was wasn't good it? Header, yeah. He hasn't actually been getting. In all honesty, I've watched all the games recently. He hasn't actually been getting that many chances from headers, has he? He hasn't really missed any. Like I can remember the shot missing headers, but I can't really remember him missing too many. So I think if you can give him quality, he is going to be a decent finisher in the air. I, I don't think any other, you know, his aspects of finishing with the ball at feet or running out and smashing it in from long range, probably we're not going to get that from him. But, you know, he, he, he imposes himself, tries to hold the ball up and does as much as he can there. But he's going to really need the rest of the team to help him with that quality if he is to start scoring more goals. Because that is his, really his main ability in scoring goals is headed goals and and to be fair when he's been given the chances over the last three to four weeks he's been doing all right with them yeah no i'd say yeah we got he's gonna get his best chance of scoring goals from more crosses yeah uh, maybe another reason to play haynes but yeah mm, he, maybe, he yeah. offers so much to the team um he i thought he had a really good game again on saturday he's winning people around isn't he because i think a lot of people you know myself included over the last few weeks i've talked about i just don't i haven't been seeing enough of him this was maybe before he's gone on this little scoring run and, and started dovetailing with Faye. and i think he's starting to turn people around i still personally think that if we were going out in january to improve an area of it i think there's there's another striker out there that might be better but you know who might he might score three or four over christmas and i think that might put to put to bed quite a lot of the, the issues that people have with him but um 
It's interesting because first half he gave the ball away a lot, Ollie, and that that, that concerned no, me. But then second agree. half he really kept it a lot, so he did certainly improve his performance as it went on for me. I think I don't, I don't totally disagree. I no, thought he did enough. really well in the first half. He won a lot of flick-ons, and interestingly, um, I was watching the game, or the, man, the end of the Man United game, and the on BT Sport, and they were talking that they had. Um, Rooney in the studio and they were talking about Man United and they asked Rooney who was his best partner playing up front with and guess what he made he said Emil Heskey which was the same <laughs> as Michael Owens I loved so Heskey as you can imagine Ollie knowing me now I loved Heskey when I was younger <laughs> but it's just funny because yeah for me he does he does what Emil Heskey did in the Premier League for England Holloway does for, for Shrewsbury Town and it, yeah it's no surprise to me that you've got Lauren and Faye and different players kind of and the manager himself as well uh, have been very positive about him so I, I think he does a great job in terms of you know he's, he's key in terms of how we played and we really kind of Use that. I thought we played really effective football this weekend. It, for me, it was really interesting. We were getting the balls forward really fast, um, and also we were playing balls into channels really well. So both strikers um, were kind of moving into channels um, in that kind of space where obviously we don't have a winger running into. Um, and for me, it was really interesting how we played. We got the ball forward um, and we tried to get some make some yards. But when we then got the ball down, we played some really nice football. So it's interesting that for me, I think we really focused on the channels this week. I mean, it was interesting to see a different style of play. Um, and obviously Ricketts having the chance to work on the team. And for me, that was definitely something that they obviously worked on and was a game plan and really helped us stifle Coventry. Yeah, it was high energy. I can't disagree with any of that, really. I think that, you know, I, I thought it was a good performance, solid performance. I think you're a little bit better than that. You're more encouraged with Saturday than I am a little bit. But, you know, I'm still, I'm not unencouraged with it. It was a good win. It was a good, solid win. We played some nice football. But I think you, you've elevated it a little bit above me this week, haven't you? I think you think that you can start to see signs of some real things coming through with rickets that yeah. you might stand us in good stead so yeah that's great i would say I'm that good. for the first 60 or so minutes yeah and yes then that's after true that, <laughs> and then after that yeah we kind of for me um the last 30 minutes 20 minutes um i think town went quite poor um but we were really really good in the first half we got a goal had a couple of chances and then for me i think it's obviously a team that was desperate to kind of get that win we started sitting back and defending um we weren't going forward like we were um, Coventry came into the game and I think we kind of allowed them so we made a few changes Emmanuel came on for Haynes who had cramp yep. then then later on Sears came on as well so it was a, a few changes um, obviously around this time before this a go-go had gone off um, and then yeah I thought we we were starting to weren't doing so well and we started making mistakes it was a bit when Grant did that header back um, and they and, and luckily um, luckily the goal was disallowed um, Sadler came to win it Grant headed back Sadler was in no man's land they ran and goal they shot um, really bad fumble from Arn and yeah, terrible was, goalkeeping yeah. and then they, their man was offside and they were full, full. They were in full cheering mode um, when the goal was disallowed so that was quite funny mm, we got lucky there I think with, with the offside it was quite marginal as well but, uh, but um, yeah I think when, when they had the goal disallowed it really did feel like they were going to get the next goal and it was around about then he started Ricketts started making subs and to me you know you can't argue with those subs he went defensive because we were already sitting back once a team gets in that mentality you've either got to really get them to get out and keep that counter attacking which is difficult when you bring in the shot you've got on. two men up front anyway yeah, exactly. you know, that's sometimes a good tactic isn't it to bring an extra man up front to exactly. kind of change the play but you couldn't do that no. so yeah you 
wrote, it's a good point there, Glenn. He kind of went with the flow, didn't he? But brought a bit, obviously brought some fresh legs on. Yeah, and as much as they had more of the ball and controlled the game a little bit more, we did, you know, didn't cough up that many chances. And I thought overall, you know, they put a lot of balls into the box, but you've got to give the centre-backs credit, a hell of a lot of credit again, and Bolton actually, that you're between Bolton, Sadler and Waterfall, they won pretty much every header and got rid of as much as they needed to. And um, again, you know, that clean sheet was was good reward for the for the defenders, really. I thought they, they really stood up to their task as soon as Coventry started to press us towards the end. So I thought it was fantastic, really. Yeah, no, that was good. And yeah, in terms of winning headers, I thought um, Waterfall for me was probably, if I had to choose a, a fourth player for me, he, I thought he had a really good game again. If playing against a physical striker when lots of headers, yeah. that's bread and butter for Waterfall. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of, I saw, heard a lot of people being quite complimentary about Waterfall again. Yeah, no, I think he's he's definitely turned it around as well, there hasn't he? So, but you know, there was a lot of players that started the season with all those mistakes and the issues that were costing us and that negativity, and, and all it's taken is a little run of good games to say, look, you know, we are and good some players. coaching, Glenn. Yeah, some coaching. Exactly. <laughs> some bit of work on the training ground, <laughs> um, which is funny. Is it's help really helping the players? And yeah, there's not really too much to say there. We've we've talked about um, we've talked about obviously Coventry a bit there, and then we talked about Coventry the first half. And I don't think there was anything to say really apart from obviously the Coventry fans started to kick off. Yeah, um, yeah, and our lot down the front of Block 19 as well. And you sourced me on the Otley Road as well, didn't you? Oh yeah, on the way. Well, I came out round the back of uh, the West End at the end of the game, and the police blocked everyone coming out, you know, up the up the track and then up the mud bank or the new steps onto Otley Road. And I believe I didn't see any of this, but I believe that some Coventry fans, Super fans, were having a bit of a an exchange of verbals and then some small stones at one point, and before the police ushered everybody away. So it took for, it took ages to get out that way. You know, we were probably waiting for about five minutes before the queue started moving, and then we got up and out to Otley Road, and there was cop fans everywhere, all over the shop. So I think maybe the rosé wine had gone to their heads and obviously they hadn't won so <laughs> I think uh, tempers were a little bit frayed but uh, I don't think it was any major incidents to be honest with you it just means that next time we play Coventry at home it'll be a high risk fixture and we'll have tons of police everywhere um, which is not good because we'll have no, to pay more money but money as well. yeah, that, exactly. that's the way it goes isn't it and, uh, and we'll be seeing what happens at the uh, away leg as well but um, yeah, I didn't see anything as bad as some of the things I saw last season where people actually fighting so uh, yeah, who knows uh, we'll have to have a look elsewhere to see if anything else was reported but yeah I mean yeah, I think it was one of those ones where Cov fans had obviously been on the train you know it's one of their away games you know they they filled it out no it was a day on the train drinking like we had uh, at Burton so it happens doesn't it but um, as long as nothing untoward happened we'll just leave it there I guess yep definitely so um, just kind of really highlight I thought um, interesting Sam Ricketts came out was um, at the end of the game, obviously congratulating all his players, and then gave a big fist pump to the West Stand, which went down well. The best thing about it was, is like there's the whole thing about like um, clapping, isn't there? You know, we've had this yeah. season, and he was walking over, and he hadn't clapped yet. And around me, in sort of West West Stand 17, 18, 19, there was a start of like a oh, and then when he clapped, everyone went yeah. <laughs> so it's it's become quite a thing now, and it was quite funny. And then yeah, and then he give it a big clap, and then he give the fist. So you know, he's he's, he's like mega asky, isn't he? He's gone beyond even just a clap. He's got he's got fists and everything so yeah no one can really complain about how much passion he's showing after a win like that and um, great for him let's just talk about his first first league win as Chief Town Manager you know to get that off your back what took Askey 11 games didn't it or something ridiculous like that and it's taken him what two three so yeah fantastic to, to start so well um, and yeah more, you know, hopefully it's the first of a few under him this, this Christmas period yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, so yeah, actually, while we're on Rick, let's just do his post-match and then we'll Go do on, the then, top yeah. three and then move on. So he said he absolutely loved it. He loved our performance in the first half, was just missing a goal. Second half, our mentality changed, but the will and desire to win to win was there. That's obviously it's really important for him, as we mentioned a few times. It was a big team effort. Um, and then he asked a question, were you pleased how, you, how, you, how your team saw the game out? And he said, could do better, not pleased the last 30 minutes. So that's obviously, it's been, it's been funny there. Yep. Um, he's saying... 
he talked about Nick Beckles, which you've already mentioned, and he said um, Haynes playing against his former team, he thought would be perfect for him to come in. Um, and, he, and he joked he's going to fine him a week's wages, Haynes, for going off with a cramp. Um, so obviously <laughs> he needs to get his fitness up. But yeah, it's was, it was still a good performance for him. Blame so the atmosphere you. was great. He said Haynes was great. Um, players will be allowed to be at home on Christmas Day. That's good. So they won't be training. Excellent. Um, and then he, they asked about where we were in the league, which we'll come on to later. He says, but he he's not interested in the league table. He says he breaks the ten the, the he breaks the season into ten games, and then sets targets for those ten games. It's something that um, Graham Turner used to do, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, I remember talk that. About six games or something like that, and have a little break. I think even Mickey Mellon talked about he targets did. Yeah, as well. He did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was interesting. So yeah, that was it from Ricketts. And then so Glenn, who was your top three? Uh, top three, uh, I went for uh, Grant, Man of the Match. Um, I think he won the Sponsors Man of the Match again. He just an imposing performance that everything we built going forward sort of came through him. Um, you know, even that every ball out of defence seemed to get to his feet and he'd start things off. But he was also pretty physical in terms of shutting down their attacking midfielders as well. So another another imperious performance, to be honest with you. And um, yeah, as we said before, you know, when you look at the performance compared to a go-go, we've definitely had a bit of an upgrade in the way that they're both playing at the moment. So that was good. Um, we talked about Waterfall and Sadler and you said you would have shaded Waterfall. I actually thought Sadler was really good. Yeah, um, Sadler had a really good game as well. I think it was just that um, Waterfall was quite effective um, in on a couple of corners as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, both of them are playing really well at the moment. No, he saved us and, re- and really cleared a couple yeah. of sort of dangerous crosses out as well. But again, for me, Sadler, I just I just think he's such a steady steady performer week in week out, and I I, know, I just I just like him. And I say I thought he played really well, and and he actually when he when he there was a few times where he stepped out from the back with the ball, which looked quite nice as well. So yeah, that was good. Yeah, and he then did went, do that. That's a good point actually. He yeah, was good, he was good. He put a few nice balls forward. Did and then I went for Holloway third. Um, just for the, for the goal really and, and as I say I, people, I think I've been quite negative on him over the, over the last few weeks but I'm certainly seeing the signs and the performances in improving and I think that you know if he can get his finishing back and we can give him that, that quality and he starts scoring a few more goals you know then maybe the, I won't be saying I think we might want to bring in a different type of striker at Christmas he might be the, the man that can take us through this year and as I keep saying my boss the Oldham fan says when he gets on a run of goals he does tend to score 5 in 10 or 8 in, eight in 11 and that would be fine for us at this football club so if he does something like that between now and January February I'd, I'd probably be quite happy with it so for me, I went for Grant as well, number one. He, he In the last 30 minutes, he came on his own, didn't he? He won us lots yeah. of little free kicks and he was just kind of class. And he, I just love it when he kind of rolls the player then he just runs into space flying <laughs> forward. He's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he's um, I went for Holloway second, as I've mentioned already, and Haynes for me was fantastic. So that was good. So just before we got move on, Glenn, what was your kind of view of Coventry? Yeah. I mean, we don't need really to talk about this very much. I don't think they're. I think they're struggling big time at the moment, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they start the season really well. They have yeah. that kind of promotion team, kind of buoyance, bounce, and kind of carried on. But they've really struggled in, in more recent games. They have, and they're on a bad run. And, and unless they start to change the way they're playing compared to how they played on Saturday, they're going to keep struggling. So I'd like to think they're a team, one of the one of those teams in this next sort of group above us, really, that we should really be aiming to start to, to get ahead of. And obviously, we're only a point behind Coventry now after the weekend. So yeah, let's get ahead of them, and then we can start looking at Walsall, Fleetwood, Accrington are not far ahead of us. There's lots of teams we can start to jump over. So I wasn't impressed with them, to be honest with you. Um, and yeah, I, I don't really have much more to say about you. Normally, ask me best player, but again, no one really stood out that much to me that I could name. I, I think you've you've spotted someone you thought was one of their better players, but I went through one of the Coventry websites, uh, it's a newspaper, um, the Coventry Telegraph, to look at their player ratings, and they didn't give anyone above a six point five. So that kind of tells its own tale, really. Yeah, no, they 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 are quite a poor team, and I think playing such a basic, mundane four four two. Um, the thing is, gonna they're going to struggle, especially if they didn't really hold the ball up very well, and they couldn't dominate the centre of the park. For me, a player that was thought I thought was quite interesting in the first half, um, Bayliss I thought was a bit weak, the number twenty for them, and he shirked a few challenges and stuff. 
Um, but when he got the ball, he looked quite good. And I was noticing that he was past completion was fantastic. He was often making the players and you know doing balls around the back. Um, okay. And then when he went to central midfield, he I thought he looked a lot better. So I did a little bit of research on him, <laughs> and I'm quite proud of myself, Glenn. Um, there's some loads of articles about him how he's like an absolute gem of their academy. Um, and they and they compare him, you know, to Madison. Um, and they think he's a real, real player. Um, they were talking. He's quote articles about him when he was 16 coming through. Um, and yeah, he, he's, they talk. Their academy manager talks about it. it was quite a unique central midfielder who's really good at running forward with the ball. Um, so he's someone to keep my keep your eye out for. Yeah. Someone who might might move on to bigger things in the future. Good research, Charlie. Well done there. That's nice to see you. Cool. You spent a bit of time looking into things. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't even see him. Can't even remember who he was or where he stood out. But there we go. That's again more my fault than uh, more my fault than than his. I should imagine. But yeah. The other thing you wanted to mention was Holloway's post-match interview, which was quite yeah. interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, it was interesting. Um, so I was brought to my attention through a tweet from Mark Elliott. Yes. Um, and Mark Elliott was commenting about how he's not really into, you know, he's not really in, in that into football. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I actually watched the Holloway interview. I don't normally watch the players' interview. It's, um, yeah, it's a, an extra chore, I guess, if we're doing, preparing for the It pod. can be a chore, can't it? <laughs> and um, he said, yeah, it can be. You don't normally always get that many interesting comments from it. So no. he said, to basically, he's building a partnership with Pe- Faye and he, he, he knows where he's going to be, so that's cool. Um, and then he goes on to say that, yeah, he, you know, he doesn't really that enjoy watching football that much. He, just, he says, I don't watch football, to be honest. Um, but I thought I'd do a bit of research. He's in good company, Glenn. There's some good players that have a similar view. So yeah. Gabriel Batistuta said, I do not like football. It's just my profession. Um, Bobby Ramor, Bobby Samora said, I'm not a massive football fan, really. Quite a lot of players, and then that let on, that they are the same. I don't watch games on an evening or anything like that. And then <laughs> a player who you'd think was absolutely in love with the game, Ronaldinho says, I don't like to watch football. I like to play it. I can't sit in front of the television for 90 minutes. I can only watch the highlights. Davy Batty says, I've not been to watch any games since I finished playing. I've never understood anyone paying to watch it, never mind going all the way across the world to see it, which I thought was really funny. So <laughs> some quite big names there in football um, to say that you know, they're not um, big fans of the game. And yeah. it is a profession to some of these players. There's been quite a few town players like that. I think the one that stands out for me is my man Granderson. He always, I think there was an interview with him where he said something along similar lines. And also, um, oh, we had a guy in on loan. I'm not going to remember his name now, Ali, but I remember him sort of saying something about it as well. It was one of the it was a right or left back I can't remember I scored against Tranmere when we were on telly one day I'm sure the name will come back to me but um, I remember him saying something that, you know again that it was just his profession sort of thing but there we go if if you're comparing Faye to any sorry if you're comparing Holloway to any of those players who is it Zamora Gab Batistuta Ronaldinho David Batty maybe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know he's a bit like sure. he's not quite as talented as Batistuta but they were both sort of big oh, I wish he like was but yeah I would make a fortune and spell him for like about a student today's money would be worth about 100 million oh don't yeah it'd be crazy wouldn't it to be honest with you there we go um, yeah interesting though it's always interesting to, to find a bit more out about your players isn't it and um, yeah well, I don't care whether he likes football or not as long as he keeps scoring that'll do me exactly so yeah. there we go round that game off so yeah, yeah good, well good, good, you... good 1-0 home win yeah, it was, and I suppose it's it's one of the things I was going to say about that is it's always fantastic to start this little run of Christmas games off with a win, isn't it, Ollie? It really gets it must obviously get the chip. And it was the same last up. year as well, wasn't it? Didn't we beat yes. Portsmouth two 0 at this time last year? Cool. Yep, I think we did. I can't quite remember when that fell, but yeah, obviously we were good all last year. Whereas this season we're just starting to turn that form around now. And we're but Christmas really we thought was good. we were going to struggle, didn't we? Christmas yeah. is always a big test. Yeah. Um, and the games start coming thick and fast, and you get crazy score lines like we did. Obviously, saw in the Everton Spurs game today. Oh, yeah, your, your, your football fantasy team goes out. You know, goes out of the window. You've got no idea who's going to play. So yeah, really, I'm really looking forward to the Christmas games. Yeah, and it's nice to go into Christmas Day. You know, knowing your team won in the last last round of fixtures, and knowing Boxing Day you're going to come into it, knowing you've 
one and a little, a little bit less pressure. So yeah, fantastic. And it was a good way to send everyone off on, on Christmas with a Christmas song on the tannoy and sort of good spirits leaving the ground, wasn't it? So yeah, I think it is probably worth wrapping that game up there. It was a good start to the Christmas period um, and we'll move on to Salap News. Running unchallenged. And Gilly. And now this is Amani Holloway. Wonderful finish. Aaron Amani Holloway puts Shrewsbury in front right in the corner. So, some news this week. We've got a couple of items, really, that have been sort of flagged up by fans and uh, other bits and pieces we've seen on social media over the weekend, really. And, uh, yeah, first one to talk about, really, Ollie, is the buffet service. And I <laughs> I was actually going to buy some chips on Saturday, went up to the buffet with my seven minutes remaining before half-time while someone was getting me a pint, and I saw a little sign that said, unfortunately, in the West End now, we can't serve um, chips, and after the 5th of December, uh, sorry, 5th of December, 5th of January, we won't be able to serve burgers anymore because of power issues. So... That's one element of it, but also a lot of people then started to talk about the service has been terrible again this year, and I don't think we've really mentioned the catering since the pre-season, because we talked about there being new caterers and how it settled down, so there's that element of it, you know, the fact you've got this stupid thing about two bars in the West End, one, but if you want a drink, you have to go to one bar, and if you want food, you have to go to the other one, that's been a consistent issue all season, and in all honesty, I, I dream of the days of Jenny Catering being back and, and the quality of food they have, but all in all, it, it looks like we're going to be taking a bit of a step back for the, for the intervening period uh, until they sort their power issues out, don't it's really annoying as I whinged about last week that you couldn't get a hot drink like did it like I don't understand why they didn't have like about about 20 40 hot drinks ready to go and they could have just kind of blasted some money they didn't seem interested in either one helping the kids out with a bit of supervision or yeah. one making money because they play a fat I think they play a flat fee to the club um, so the club don't lose out they just get fans whinging and yeah um, the old man that I am now Glenn, I brought a flask with some soup in which went down very nicely I have to say oh a lot of people bring food don't they because they just can't trust it some people in front of us about three rows four rows in front of us bring their own mugs which I think is quite <laughs> impressive are they shoes down mugs I hope so At no they're they not them. they were nice little flowery mugs but to no, me it's quite funny it's not been great has it and I think it's another one of those things that sort of becomes more of an apparent issue during the winter period Ollie when people actually want a little bit of hot food or they want to just get a bit of um, time away from the cold and the wind and the rain so I think the combination of things like the buffet not being so good anymore the TV's not working it's making the West End experience at half time when you want to just get a little bit of 15 minutes warm and food inside which is what a lot of people do want when you go down there most people are queuing for food and drink um, you know it's not ideal is it and I think the club do need to just have another rethink about the issues about it. I think obviously this is to do with those shutters coming down a few weeks ago and, it, and I think that was triggered by power over, overloads oh, and okay. so I think it's all connected to that and hopefully it's something they can sort out you know in the medium to short term you've got to give them a, the benefit of the doubt that there is some issue they flagged up with power and they can get it sorted but you know we're just back down to the standard pies and sausage rolls now and um yeah, not ideal. So that's it's, it's the least amount of food we've had on offer since we moved to the new stadium, in my view now, which is not a great position to have got to 11 years down the road. You would have thought we might have continually improved things rather than go backwards, but we'll see. We might come back and discuss that down the line, Ollie, if things don't improve over the next few weeks, I suppose. But um, there we go. But yeah, you you had more of an issue, really. You were talking to some fans on, on Twitter and, and Facebook this week uh, after the news that the EFL are going to f- um, stream again more games over the Christmas period. Yeah, I was quite surprised by this. So, yeah, there was an announcement came out today. Um, that, oh, today was um, it? Okay. Yeah, that the um, Fleetwood and Accrington Stanley game. There were some rumours that Stanley wanted to have, to have that game on iFollow. Um, and, yeah, the yeah, both the Fleetwood and the um, Stanley games are going to be broadcast on iFollow, which is, um, you know, it wouldn't change my, my decision to go to Stanley, but... I don't know. It would, it would have it would have made me think for a second whether I want to go away to, all the way to Stanley on, yep. on Boxing Day. I know could spend it at home um, and watch the game. And I don't know. Maybe we might have done that, especially as you know, uh, it's if it's a terribly it's not going to be cold. So if it, 
hopefully the weather should be coming quite a mild Christmas. Here we go, forecast for you. Um, so yeah, for me, it's an interesting one. So yeah, Glyn, what was your? What was, I'm kind of mixed. What's your? Do you think it's a good idea or a bad idea? Well, my my view hasn't changed since we talked about it the first time, and we talked about them them streaming the uh, the Saturday games earlier this season during international weekends. Do you remember when we I think it was Portsmouth and another team? And obviously, I watched it. I watched it at a friend's house. We paid the money. We we paid ten pound to watch those games. But I still do think that it's definitely something that's going to stop fans going to away games, not particularly home games if you live in a town but I think long term it, it does some damage and um, I think that it's something that they really need to think about they obviously trialled it once when the international weekend then they stopped that trial early now they're trying it at Christmas to see how that goes and, and apparently it's only for these two games then it won't be back but you know that's twice this season now we've had opportunities well was, you know that it's been happening for different reasons and if it becomes prevalent prevalent, and they start doing it all next season for every away game is that going to start to make you think about which ones you pick to go to and save a bit of money and I think it probably would to be honest with you because it's getting quite expensive to watch football so yeah I, I, I think it's something they have to be very cautious with yeah I think I'm a, it's it's definitely something that's it's going to I think a few people that have brought tickets or maybe thinking about it might not now. So yeah, I'm a little bit surprised that that's happened. Um, it does potentially set a precedent um, in terms of going forward. And yeah, will, will it long term um, drop and the term the number of match going f- they fans? So a couple of other people had some views. So Paul Buckley yeah. on Twitter said um, it's a really bad idea. Um, he said, "It says fans like me struggling to get to Aquity might take the eye follow option. You know, if it was wasn't there, I'd probably try a bit harder." Um, Jason said, "If the club are making money off it, then it helps. But if we're getting railroaded into it by the EFL, then it can't be a good thing. The quality has to improve as well. I'm not in favour as I think football teams should be trying to get more people into the grounds. So that was an interesting view. And then Peter on Twitter as well said, so "Let's be honest here. Anyone." that really supports a lower league club that can go to the games will probably continue to do so. It's a tenner a game, so it's not that much cheaper, really, and nothing beats going to a game. It's not a tenner, though, is it? You know, if we're playing Accrington or Sunderland, no, he's the way saying, or Fleetwood. he's saying I follow's a tenner. Yeah, so but it's, quite... it's a tenner, but if, you, if you're paying 22 quid for a ticket plus petrol plus food plus oh, all yeah, the other, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, there is still a markup on, on that, especially if you've got a family, for example, because if oh, you've got yeah. four people watching it, it's a tenner for four people rather than what it could be hundreds of pounds. So, it, you know, there is definitely a financial cut-off point where people will make a sensible decision. I personally would be in that boat and I'm sure that there will be testing situations w- which come along that I couldn't have gone. I didn't go to Portsmouth. Portsmouth is another game that we had on the iFollow and, you know, it's a long way to go there. I was going to go with my lad Rory originally um, if I, you know, wanted to. But, you know, for for a tenner between four of us to watch it, it was a bit of a no-brainer, really. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how... Because this isn't just a Shrewsbury, is it, we should say. A lot of clubs are doing this over Christmas. So, it'll be interesting, again, to see how it goes. Um, but for me, what Jason says is interesting about it being railroaded into it by the AFL. Because this leads on to another issue, which is obviously the Checker Trade Trophy has been... You know, there was a vote by all the AFL clubs this week. And... Um, the, the presentation was put forward to continue the trophy. Um, now, previously, the votes have been quite close with the EFL clubs. This time, from everything I'm reading online, um, only three teams voted against um, the, the competition continuing as it is. And it's all for money. So, uh, you know, you can say a lot about EFL clubs and everyone's morals and stuff. But at the end of the day, when someone flashes a load of money in front of any chairman or CEO, they're almost certainly going to vote with where the money is. And that is not necessarily to the benefit of fans. You know, I don't think the check trade trophy is to the benefit of fans. It's to the benefit of academy clubs. I also think this streaming thing is is not to the benefit of fans attending matchday games. So... It does. It does raise the question of where the money, you know, money coming into the game and how that's starting to drip down and affect lower league, um, you know, lower league historic things that have gone on and the way the game works more than ever, I suppose. And I think maybe a lot of this is linked together in terms of how the game is changing, you know, further down the pyramid. Really. Yeah, I I agree to an extent. Mm. However, I'm also a bit of a a bit. Um, 
bit, a bit of irony. I also watch and I watch quite a lot of games on there. Yeah, um, and yeah, you know the idea of sitting at home, you know, you know, sitting at home with your presents and the kids, you know, kids can play with the presents, or whatever, and just kind of sitting there at home with a beer. Um, having some snacks, watching the game—it's not a bad idea on a on a on a, on a Boxing Day. But anyhow, um, it's an interesting debate that I'm sure will rumble on. Yeah, it's certainly something that's reflected across other fans and other clubs I've seen. You know, it isn't it isn't generally something that people want to see happen. And as I said when we talked about it last time, Ollie, if a Premiership, if the Premiership say, well, EFL clubs are breaking that rule now, so we're going to let all the Premiership teams stream their three o'clock kickoffs on a Saturday. You know, the the blackout is now gone per se. And suddenly they start streaming, you know, big Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea games. Yeah, we've a hardcore of fans that go home and away, you know, and that might not change. But I can certainly start to see how fans that are fans of Shrewsbury Town because they live here, but they've maybe got a Premiership team. If they think I can watch, you know, Spurs versus Everton for three quid on a, on a stream or something like that, I can see how that could suddenly start to affect crowds at the FL team. So they're playing a dangerous game because if if that happens, they they've got no real recourse to action to say the blackout is sacred because they've been abusing the blackout now. So it, it really, really will be interesting to see how it goes, Ollie. Yep, cool. So mm-hmm. talking of other clubs, so um, Shrewsbury Town um, went up to 15th in the league after this win. Um, Ackin- Burton, Burton are just below us by one point, but they have played a game less. And also Accrington Stanley, who's our next opponent, they're 10th in the league with 31 points. Shrewsbury have got 28. It's very, very tight in the middle of the of the league at the moment. Yeah, and if we beat them on, on, on Boxing Day, we'll go above them. We will. That's yeah. mental how well they start. How well they started, but they haven't won for eight games or seven games, something like that. Well, they won. Pete, they oh, beat sorry. Plymouth on You're right. Saturday. I just watched. I just watched the FL highlights. They hadn't won for seven games before they yeah. won at the weekend. That's very true. Yeah, sorry, they beat Plymouth three 0 Yeah. Um, so that was interesting. Um, other interesting scores. Luton continue to march along. Um, they beat Burton two 0 at home. Um, Plymouth beat Sunderland three one at home. So Sunderland have been quite interesting. Um, obviously, there's that Sunderland documentary. We'll come to that in a second. Yeah. But interesting, Sunderland have been like really low in their xG and really low in their chance creation. Um, and people who you know follow those kind of stats have been discussing that you know Sunderland are going to stop winning soon. So it's interesting that Portsmouth beat them three one. Um, and then uh, other interesting um, games. I'm really, really pleased to see that Wimbledon beat Wickham, who Wickham were on a good run of form. So Wimbledon beat them two one um, at Wickham. So I'm really pleased to see that result. Yeah, and Charlton won again. So Gary, uh, so Bowyer's doing really well um, at Charlton. So yeah, interesting. It'll be interesting to see how the league table changes over um, Christmas. I imagine there's been a lot of movement. I mean, what are we now? We're I'm looking at now. We're 11 points outside. 23. The we're halfway through the season now. 23 yeah. games played. And we've now got a nice buffer of, what is it, seven points to this yeah, sort of allegation places. Points. So we're pretty much entrenched in mid-table now. And it, as I said to you before, there's there's Coventry, Southend, Fleetwood, Walsall, Accrington, Wickham. I oh, know Wickham are ninth. I don't know what I was talking about then. Uh, there we go. I, I thought they were bottom for some reason. Um, and then even Blackpool on 34 that are all, you know, six points away from us now. So there's a good chance. And that takes you up to eighth. So if we can put a nice little run together over Christmas, there's there's no reason why we're not going to be sore up in the upper mid-table, which is mental when you think about how this season's gone. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's starting to look positive um, on the flip side. You know, lose a couple and you're right back in it. So a bit of a crunch point of the season now, really, to see which way it goes. And um, we've started off the right way, haven't we? So that's the main thing. Yep, yeah, no, definitely. So cool. um, should we jump into predictions here or should we have a break? Yeah, let's go straight into predictions. Because last week, Ollie, we actually got the result right for once. We um, did, made a change. Both went for a win. We thought it'd be a bit more comfortable. I went for a 2-0 win and you went for a 3-1 win. So 
um, not quite the uh, the one 0 win that it was. So there's still a, an eleven point gap between us. So you still need to get back into it. So yeah, I don't know which game we're going to predict now between now and the next episode because we've obviously got Accrington on um, Boxing Day. Yeah, we normally do the Saturday game, so I guess yeah. it's Sunderland away. We should predict. Well, that should be easy to predict because I think we probably will lose that Ollie. So um, I don't know. I don't know if you disagree with me or not. Do you think we're going to lose? It's going to be a tough one, isn't it? I think both yeah. of these games are going to be a tough. You know, if we get a win out of either of these two games, I'll be quite pleased to be honest. Yes, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I'll stick with my guns. I think Sunderland will probably be too good for us. I know they've been struggling in a couple of games recently, but they're, they're obviously a class above us. And so, uh, and they, they dispatched us quite easily, didn't they, at home? So let's go three-one, three-one loss. We might just nick a goal late on, but yeah, I think that might be what happens. I will okay. be there. I hope it's not that, but um, yeah. I'm going to go for 2-1 win to Sunderland, but I'll be there as well. Um, so yeah, looking forward to that one. If those who haven't seen it, there's a really good Sunderland documentary on Netflix. Yes. And which is definitely worth watching. Um, and it's really interesting. You see, uh, interesting to see like, what their fans are like and how passionate they are and how kind of <laughs> honest they are. And yeah, they seem like a good bunch of fans. And it's, yeah, when they were, with that one podcast they were doing, listing off the night of team, all the teams they'd lost to at home because they hadn't won at home for nearly a year. It's quite heartbreaking for them because they do passionately love their football club. Yeah. But also, really interesting to see their CEO and tell you what, oh my God, he's, you know, if you had to rate him, if you gave, if you gave um, Brian nine out of ten for being a, a good good CEO, good um, managing director, I'd have to give that Martin bloke like two or one out of ten. He's just full of cliches. Um, I'm just talking. He had a very difficult job in terms of you know um, their chairman decided to kind of cut the budget and try and stop his losses. But yeah, have you watched that that um, program, Glenn? I haven't got around to watching it. I've got Netflix, and it was something I probably dip in, yeah, dip into a little bit over the Christmas period. Now we're off, and um, I was talking to one of my mates, Jerry, about this. I think it was Jerry, one of the lads I was sitting by on Saturday, and he was saying he'd watched the first episode, and he was like, "Yeah, they're all passionate bunch, but also they seem to lose their cool quite quickly." Because he was talking about uh, they lost a pre-season friendly to Celtic in the first episode, and they were going nuts about it. Yeah, they were going nuts, but <laughs> I think you have to put in the context that they'd been losing for a for long time, and, and also years, they'd yeah. lost, you know, every single season in the Premier League, they were just scraping. So yeah, it's no surprised that we hear now that they're actually really happy enjoying themselves <laughs> but I think they have reason to be really annoyed because yeah it's been a bit harsh on them but anyway enough on Sunderland um podcasts over Christmas um we're gonna, gonna stick to Sundays aren't we Glenn because the way yeah, Christmas falls, falls this year yeah, yeah so we'll stick to the Sunday podcast so the next two podcasts will cover two games each um, and talking of Christmas, Glenn, you did a, a really great special, didn't you? Yeah, so we've talked about it briefly in, in, in the last few episodes. We have recorded it now and we've done our extra little bit to top and tail it. Um, it's a bit of a mammoth pod. I think it comes in at about an hour and 45 minutes, but it's something to digest over the next you know few months if you want to just dip in and out of it because it's a, it's a retrospective. It's not time limited. It's it's a snapshot of a history of our moment. And we're looking at the conference season um, from the moment we got relegated to the moment we got back up. Um, the 322 days, I think it was, from the moment we came down to back up. And we're joined by a few guests recorded at the Prince of Wales um, had a fantastic night actually and um, really well well hosted there I think that's going to be our, our new pub to record podcasts out if we have if we have group discussions um, so yeah it was a really really good fun to do really good for, for us to catch up on it at the end as well Ollie and um, that will go live tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock so this will go up tonight Sunday night the 23rd and we'll give it as a Chris, extra Christmas present on the on the Christmas Eve so that if anyone gets new devices and laptops and iPods um, iPads iPods I think they've phased out haven't they 
they can listen to it on Christmas if you really are that bored. But it, as I say, it's more like for the travelling to the away games. Um, yeah, over it'd be a good, well. good one for yeah. the, um, the big trip to Sunderland. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, hopefully Perfect. guys enjoy it. Um, I didn't join England in the pub. I was I was at university those days. <laughs> I wasn't a, a big town fan as I am now. And I listened to it um, myself. I was doing a run and I thought it was fantastic. So oh, definitely cheers, something worth listening to. So yeah, Glenn, you did a good job there for once without cheers. me. So cheers, man. Well, for well, once. Behaved well. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, I think this brings us to a close. Just want to yeah. say happy Christmas to all Shooter Town fans. Hope you have hope Santa brings all the presents you want. Hope you have a good day. Drink too much, eat too much. Um and yeah, hope you have a good day with your family, Glenn. Yeah, same to you, Ollie. Hope you you and your new wife have a, have your first Christmas together, won't it? So yeah, that'll be that'll be lovely. So my kids my, my tree's already got loads of gifts under it. My kids were rattling through this afternoon. So I I'm you know, what is it now? It's Christmas Eve Eve, eight o'clock, and uh, we couldn't control them. They've been out they've been out of control today. They're just so excited about Christmas. So it's always a great time of the year, isn't it? When oh, you've got family. Time or... you, so yeah, I'll probably be getting up about four hours later than on Christmas Day. <laughs> <laughs> oh I wish. I, I would I would kill for a line at the moment, Ollie. It's absolutely manic. But um yeah, I say the same thing to all of our listeners as well. Thank you for all your listens this year and into 2018 as well and it's just it's been fantastic for, for the way the podcast has grown so yeah as Ollie says enjoy your Christmas dinner get your Shoes for Town merch and uh, yeah we shall both see you at Accrington away won't we and uh, yeah hopefully we can catch up with a few of you there and yeah get another another good Christmas period hopefully like last year fingers crossed cheers guys cheers Merry Christmas oh!